0: The North Cathedral Gate Two days before the departure of the fateful Lake Wall Caravan The North Cathedral Gate loomed over the glowing carts of the caravan. The glow of a thousand candles gently cascaded light from the large stained glass windows on either side of the hulking open gate. This light reached far enough to illuminate Ifair and Tilly on the outskirts of the circle of wagons and carriages. Efer quietly sipped her tea and glanced from the book she was reading up to the gargantuan, moon-soaked structure. The construction of the cathedral gates was a relatively new addition, considering the age of the walls. It had happened sometime just before the long silence. Although their majestic interiors literally acted as gates for travelers to enter and exit the walls, they were still fully functioning cathedrals, complete with their own altars. Ife'er knew their purpose... They were a reminder to any passing the threshold of a wall. A reminder of the power of Odras. Ifair shivered and wrapped her shawl a bit tighter around herself. It was an unusually chilly evening for Lakewall, but Tully had insisted on studying outside. Ifair was willing to do anything to make the girl study. Tully's studies were crucial for what came next. And yet, it was so bloody difficult. The frustration of trying to get the girl to sit for even a few moments was wearing on Yphair's nerves. Yphair looked up, and those thin nerves snapped. Sitting across from her, dolly shining in the light of the lamp, was Lee's open book, itself now an orphan. Its reader, gone. Yfer moaned, looked up at the stars, and tried to calm herself. Yes... This was crucial, but she couldn't spook the girl. That could have ill consequences. She needed to find a way to make the girl study without having to force her. Losing her temper would not be the right way to go about it. Efair shook her head. That didn't matter right now. First, she had to find the girl. Lee hadn't meant to walk away. She really hadn't. In fact, she never did. She had often been accused of sabotaging her own studies, but she honestly couldn't point to a deliberate decision she'd ever made to do such a thing. She found that these distractions just... happened. That's why Tali had one moment found herself staring at a book, lines blurring together on the page, to suddenly walking through the most impressive structure she'd ever seen. She stared around in awe. Never had she dreamed that a place like this could exist and she dreamed often. The interior of the cathedral gate was lavishly decorated. The floor was glistening marble slabs, the light danced across. Through the middle of the room was a large open area with no structures. This was obviously to allow comers and goers to pass through. The size of the opening was substantial enough to let some 20 carts travel side by side. Around the outside of this path were statues of obviously important church figures, none of whom Tilly recognized. On the far eastern wall was a large door guarded by some frightening-looking hewn. Tilly assumed that was where the altar was hidden away. She wandered around the cavernous room, weaving between the various church members, statues, and travelers. Many of the travelers were lighting candles, placing them at the feet of statues and praying. Any unoccupied statues, Tilly would stop and stare in wonder. It was not religious stupor, like everyone else, but marvel at the literal statues. How many people had this taken? How many hands working, minds planning? How in deep stone had they built all these statues? How had they built this cathedral gate? How had they built the wall? These were the things that Tilly liked to think about, liked to dream about. And it seemed that no one else, had any interest in this at all. Tilly. She turned. Ivera jogged towards her. The mage's red hair was wild from an obvious run. And only now did it occur to Tilly that she had wandered away. I thought if we sat outside, you'd be able to focus. So did I, Tilly responded. So what happened? I was wrong, Tilly responded. Adults always said things like this to her in an accusatory tone, like she'd attempted to trick them. Why wasn't she just allowed to be wrong sometimes? I know you don't particularly care about how well you do here, Tilly, but it is important you focus, Yfer said. The mage's face was serious, more serious than usual. Is this about the test tomorrow? Tilly asked. The exchange test you keep talking about? Yphair nodded. But not just that. All of this, thee. You must apply yourself. You're an Orphan of the Deep, thee. You were given an opportunity that other children might literally kill to have. And you squandered it. You took a gift and threw it in the mud. Don't make the same mistake twice. <laughs> the Orphans of the Deep. T'Li hated those words. She hated the name. It branded her a specific type of orphan. One created by the Walled War. Green Hill was filled with Orphans of the Deep, as were other orphanages around Lake Wall. The title was always said with this strange caveat, like she should be grateful. Her chest went tight. "'And learning to read by looking through children's books? That's applying myself?' Yfer sighed and shook her head. She was frustrated, Talit could tell. Yphair was not the first person to go through this routine. So many well-meaning priests at Greenhill had attempted to guide Tilly, to encourage her. All had failed. The failure was never kind. It was always taken personal by any teachers. Tilly had decided a long time ago that she was hopeless. It was better to temper expectations early so that when the well-intentioned teachers eventually failed, they were let down a little bit easier. Taliyah was very used to doing this, but this time, she was hopeful. She'd won that quiz, after all. But of course, habits die hard. "'I'll do what I can,' Taliyah said. "'But I can't make any promises.' She looked at the statue in front of her. She had no idea who it was, but it was clearly a slate. The statue depicted a woman standing atop a stone the distinctive veil covering her eyes, and her arms outstretched holding up a large, flat sheet of some sort. Tali studied the veil. Why do the slate wear those veils? Is it true they pluck their own eyes out to honor the Lord of Deep Stone and disavow... earthly temptations? Yfer almost fell backwards. Tali! You can't say things like that! Tali shrugged. It's an honest question. Yfer sighed and lowered her head. No, Taly, the slate do not pluck their eyes out. That is a myth. Then why do they wear those veils? Ever gestured for Tle to follow her. She did. And as they walk, Yfer spoke quietly. After this, I insist you focus, please. The veil is a tradition. Foremost, like the slate you would have had at Green Hill, it is simply part of their garb. The veils are thick but can be seen through. It's hard, but not impossible. But for the upper ranks of their order, things are different. The Revered Slate. The infantile rumors that they pluck their own eyes out are actually not too far from the truth. The reason is, of course, vastly misunderstood, though. Underneath their veils is something unusual. They call them their shields solid metal masks they wear over their eyes. They cannot see through them. The shields are locked and cannot be removed without explicit permission. They are never removed unless there are more than two slate present. Each slate holds the key for another slate. Tilly thought quietly on this for a few moments and then blurted out, That's dumb. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Aren't they supposed to read? Aren't you Yphair shot back. Tully did not respond. Tilly was pensive as they walked back. When they arrived back at their small campfire where they'd been reading, the fire was gone and only embers remained. Oops, I guess we can't continue. Yfer glanced at the fire and to Tully's amusement and disappointment. It suddenly roared back to life. Sit. Study, Yphair said. Taliyah sat and stared at the book for children. She tried to focus, giving it every ounce of energy she had. All her life she'd been yelled at, told what to do, and she wasn't interested in having that happen here. The pages still blurred together, and the words jumbled into shapes that were no longer words. To Taliyah, they formed shapes that looked like eyes, veils, walls, and wars. Previously, Whisper and Tali have just started their journey to become mages and are already in trouble. Tali performed overly well on their first quiz, and Whisper stole a book which was found by an odd slate named Featherbound. Yfair has warned them both to be careful, but her advice is hard to follow, even for herself. As the caravan prepares to leave Lakewall, preparations are being made by Tali, Whisper, Efer, and others. Chapter 4 The Shadow of the Wall Part 1 Waking happened all at once for Tali. Falling asleep was a struggle, but the second she opened her eyes, it's like every sight, sound, and smell of the world around her instantly lifted her off her bedroll and told her to start her day. The other children at Greenhill had always complained and been slow to rise, but not Tali. She was expecting a soul thought to draw her out of bed today, the fact she was going to try magic. But instead, she found it hard to get up. Those words kept rolling through her mind. Orphan of the Deep. It was no matter. Soon she would take a new title, Mage of the First Bond. She'd never been able to get Efer to tell her exactly what the test was, but she assumed it was something to do with the Sekrum, the small version of a monolith with two configurations inside of it. She and Whisper had tried to decipher exactly what it did, but quickly learned that the complicated sets of stones and connections between them were not as easy to decipher with only basic knowledge. Good morning! T'Li turned to see Whisper walking towards her. He held two bowls of oats, some already on his face. He held one out and Talese stared at it. For you, you'll need your strength for today, rival, Whisper said. Stop, don't say it like that, Tilly responded as she took the bowl. Whisper looked crestfallen, but yes, the exchange test. Do you know what it is? Whisper shook his head. It sounds like some of the other students may know, but I haven't been able to figure it out yet. The only thing I do know is that it's important and that we have to do well. That much I know, Jalee responded. So... She paused. She was never good at keeping conversations going. What did you do last night? Ifeer forced me to study with her. And did you? Not exactly. I may have gotten... distracted. Ah, yes, the scolding in the cathedral gate. I saw that. What? How? Whisper shrugged and more oats dribbled down his chin. He didn't seem to notice. I have certain skills, certain abilities. T'Li was no longer listening, but now thinking about the day ahead. Trying to, at least. That name fluttered through her brain again, and she tried to push it down. Orphan of the Deep. She sighed. Whisper, what do you know about the Walled War? Oh, his face lit up and he wiped the oats off. Actually, a fair amount. It's a fascinating story. He began rattling off details. The Walled War was the bloodiest event in Lake Wall's history. The interiors of the three walls are massive. Some people spend a lifetime inside a wall without ever seeing the rock structures that contain them. The walls have no overarching governance beside the bishops, as such, the duchies contained therein constantly have skirmishes, trading land back and forth. This is just a part of life in the walls. But the walled war was different. The Lady of the Rose, Duchess of the Southern Duchy of Lakewall, decided that someone should be installed over the entire wall, and that someone should be her. Her army's march was precise, quick, and ruthless after the assault began bishop granite was declared ill and would not be seen in public for three years her opponent the north Duchy, panicked in their haste to mount a defense they called upon a house from the mages consortium the house of the bear their principal philosophy is that magic is a thing of violence a thing of war they were all but happy to take the contract the Lady of the Rose was not so easily thwarted and hired some mages of her own. The conflict raged for two years. Villages were burned, lands destroyed, alliances formed, and torn asunder. Odras grew nervous about the violence of the wall spilling out, and so they did something drastic. They closed the cathedral gates, sealing off the wall. The gates had been closed before, but only to keep armies out not keep them in. The cardinals responsible for this decision saw it as smoldering a fire. It was actually more akin to caging two wild animals together. The conscriptions quickly followed, and the mages continued to honor their contracts. The violence intensified. No village, no farm, no person, no blade of grass was free from the red haze of war. Whisper paused from recounting the story. T'Li had heard this before, but had never paid much attention. So is there anything more particular about it you want to learn? What do you know about the stories of the Orphans of the Deep? T'Li asked. Oh. Oh. Whisper's face went white. It was obvious he had not expected to delve into this topic. Well, I guess let's start at the beginning. I'll make this part quick. It starts with the fountains of the deep. The story, as told in the shale, is this. When the martyr Marie began her journey through the deep stone to the abyss, she took with her only a single water pouch. She generously gave drops of water to poor creatures dying of thirst in the path through the stone. Before reaching the bottom, Marie became sick from lack of water, and collapsed. The Lord of Deep Stone traveled up to her because of her kindness to the creatures and carried her the rest of the way to the shores of the abyss. The drops of water she had left behind sprung up like seeds, and springs of water now run in the path through the Deep Stone to the abyss. Any soul can pass through there because of Marta Marie's selfless actions. The priests teach that the good servants of the Lord of Deep Stone should pour out waters here on earth, and they will fill the springs for their travels to the abyss. Nobles do this by giving money, of course. The church holds this money, and allegedly those in need can draw from it. This is called the Fountains of the Deep. And what of farmers that have little to give, Tully asked. She had never heard someone literally describe this to her before. She didn't know why, but for some reason, she wanted to hear him say the words. Farmers have little to give. Nothing of real value, especially if crops are being burnt. When the walled war was at its height, the common people were scared. Scared of, of death, scared of everything. Scared of what would happen, considering the scale of the conflict, the famine, the fighting, and having nothing else to give, they, mostly out of kindness, gave their children to the church, the orphans of the deep. It was seen as mutually beneficial. They secured themselves a trip to the shores of the abyss in the afterlife, and their children, a future and education. Lee stared at the ground and said nothing. She thought hearing it, confronting it, would help her. It didn't. She was pleasantly surprised that Whisper actually let her sit in silence for a few moments and just stare into her oats. Hey, you know what you need? A distraction. Whisper turned and beckoned for Tully to follow. "'Why should I follow you?' "'Well, I may have gotten into some troublemaking of my own last night. "'Only I didn't get caught.' "'Do you trust me?' "'No,' Tully responded. "'Oh, well, that's okay, because I also know you're curious.' He flashed the working sign for follow me, swiftly followed by another ruder one for coward, and then trotted away. To realized she now had a taste of what it was like to be annoyed. But he was right. She was curious. She looked down at the bowl of oats he'd brought her, took a bite, and decided to follow. They entered the cathedral gate, Whisper guided them on a winding path through the statues, away from the armed hewn. They arrived at a simple wooden door. He quietly opened it, and they slipped inside. They were at the bottom of a staircase. Up they went, winding around and around, passing various closed and reinforced doors, until eventually they arrived at the top. A bigger, more ornate door blocked their path. It looked thick, heavy, and was held shut by an intimidating lock. Whisper whistled as he fetched a few small tools out of his pockets. He carefully slid a thin piece of metal into the lock. Tali peered over his shoulder. His hands were nimble and his eyes twinkled. Finally, the lock came open with a click. He took it off, glanced over his shoulder, and opened the door. He turned to Taliyah, bowed, and gestured for her to pass through. Taliyah stepped... Through the threshold. It could be said that we are shaped by our memories. Not all of them, but some defining instances, good or bad, become the moments that mold us, a garden of reflections that lives in our head. This could be dominated by good fortune, those times in our life where we sit back, a steaming mug of something warm and delicious in our hand, look at the smiling faces of friends and family. I know that this is what we want from life. This is what it's all for, the good memories. It can also be an archive of survival. Our body taking notes to shelter us, defend us, sustain us. The piece of us that remembers the dark and prepares for the storm. We take those memories like seeds. We plant them and we grow them. Some are flowers, beautiful to see, to touch, to smell. But some are our thorns, our thistles, painful to touch, ugly to look at. We all have our garden. And for every plant there, whether you realize it or not, there was a reason that those seeds were planted. When you are tending a garden of thorns, a single flower can be quite distinctive. The wind whipped Tali's hair and a unique earthy smell filled her nose. She stood atop a tower and in the streaming beams of sunlight for the first time in her life. Tali could see beyond the wall. It sure ain't Lake Wall, Whisper said with a chuckle, and Tilly had to grin. She'd heard of the web, but never been able to even come close to imagining it. The land below appeared shattered. Deep ravines stretched out from the base of the wall and disappeared into the horizon. The ravines intertwined, creating the illusions of islands, big and small, floating in the air. The complex landscape was dominated by choking forests and jagged spiking rocks. Completing the look of a web was the road that left the cathedral gate and branched across the many plateaus via massive bridges of wood and stone. Tilly felt Whisper's hand on her shoulder. The only thing that she was able to discern was that he looked worried and that for some reason her cheeks were wet. She was about to swat his hand away but stopped. It felt nice. She looked back out the world in front, Lake Wall behind. She turned back toward Lakewell, and the breeze was now somehow warm across her face, and the smell familiar. Nothing actually looked familiar from all the way up here, though. Lakes, farms, and a few villages dotted the horizon, and she could see a small town nestled in the side of the wall some miles away from where the caravan sat below. She was staggered by the scale of the wall. She understood that it was large, but she had never actually dwelt on how large... The hulking reinforcement that served as Lake Wall's protector circled around and disappeared into the horizon, the other side of it nowhere in sight. It's even more impressive in the sunlight, Whisper said with a grin, leaning on the rampart beside her. I recognize so little, though. Can I see Crinhill from up here? Oh, no. We'd have to be leagues back inside the wall to see that. That small town over there, that Shadow of Refuge. A wonderfully descriptive name. Lots of travelers rest there. Lots of thick purses. Most thieves know it well. Do you? Whisper shrugged. Not at all. Me and the scars only ever work inside Caldale. Tilly looked down at the sheer size of the cathedral gate and again had to dwell on how it had been built. How had they carried rocks up so far? Taline noticed that her throat was suddenly tight. The size of the wall. The size of the land inside of it. She'd never truly considered it are you scared to leave maybe i can't tell i feel something and being scared is definitely part of that but it's also excitement i actually never thought i'd leave i never thought i'd make it here even while we were traveling i don't know why i thought that but i did and yet here i am well you can't back out now we have a deal. Tilly turned back to him. If you say the word rival, then we truly won't be friends. Ah, so we are friends. I never said that. Tilly looked back over the web. Even seeing it now, it was hard to imagine herself being out there. Hard to imagine herself walking through the opening of Cathedral Gates. We'll make it out there, Whisper said, as though reading her thoughts. She didn't like that. He also seemed to pick up on that and raised his hands defensively. Sorry, I just know how to read people. Let's head back. It's almost time for the exchange test. Tilly nodded, and the two disappeared down the stairs, leaving the view from the wall behind. Whisper led the way back down the stairs. He suddenly stopped, and Tilly saw him flash multiple curses and working signs. Ahead of them, the door to a room was opened. It was dark on the stairs, but the room was well lit. Inside were two men. They wore plate mail emblazoned with the emblem of seven stars above a mountain. Wardens. One was a tall gentleman with a full mustache, and the other was an older man with an eye patch. The old man spoke first. We have to ensure that everything's loaded on time, like we were told. The slate doesn't give us orders, the mustache man replied. Slate didn't give the orders. It was them from above. The Slate passed down. Well, I don't like them. We've never had to do anything like this to load their vaults before. Warden, do I much care about how things were done before? We're entering a new world, so some things are going to change. Go. Do as you're commanded now, or there'll be worse than the ring for you to fear. The mustache Man grumbled and turned to leave. As he stepped outside the door, he turned back to his companion. Stars guard you. And stars guard you, the old man responded. The mustached man walked down the stairs. As he disappeared out of sight, Whisper used a working sign to say, Come, slowly, quietly. Tali took a step forward and slipped. Whisper grabbed her by the collar and pulled her back just as she tumbled into the light. Who's there? The old man asked, stepping out into the hallway. I was going to ask the same thing, a woman's voice said from farther down the stairs. Two more figures emerged into the light. Both wore veils over their eyes. The slate in green led the way, with the slate in red following behind. Ah, revered slate, Lyrian. Revered slate, Featherbound, the old man said, bowing deeply. I'm so sorry. The slate in green, Lyrian sniffed. I met one of your wardens on the stairs. On his way to fill the carriage, hmm? Good. I am not fond of being kept waiting. Of course, the man with the eye patch said, and hurried inside the room. The slate in red followed, but the slate in green, Lyrian, stood outside the door for a moment, looking up the stairs into the shadows where Tali and Whisper hid. Tali knew there was a piece of metal covering the slate's eyes, but the way she lingered, Tuli could swear the Slate saw them. Lyrian sniffed again, walked into the room, and closed the door. Tuli realized she'd been holding her breath the entire time. Tuli and Whisper moved as quickly and as quietly as they could, descending the stairs, weaving back through the statues, and out into the familiar air of Lake Wall. Whisper turned to Tuli and raised an eyebrow. He seemed like he was going to say something, and then decided against it. Well, that was close, Tuli said. Yeah... That was, Whisper said with a grin. I'm not counting this one as a point for you because you messed up that last part, Tali said. Whisper, yet again, seemed crestfallen. But as soon as Tali was out of earshot, he grinned. I guess I'll just have to make up for that during the test. Rival. The excitement was palpable. A larger crowd had gathered to watch the test this time. Although magic was commonplace in the world, it was rare to actually see someone use it. Until meeting Yphair, Tilly had never actually seen anyone use magic in her life, except for some of the guiding priests at Greenhill who used their altars to heal scrapes and scratches on orphans, though they of course never called it magic. Tilly had always needed to mend her own scratches. Efer appeared at the front of the group, waving for them to be silent. She glared at Ricky Slar, who was still mumbling with a tight pack of nicely dressed merchants, bags of coins in hand. Today is the day we test each student's exchange. This is an important test, and crucial in their steps to becoming mages. Thank you all for gathering to watch. None of you may interfere, or you face my wrath. Which is substantial. Ricky Slar shouted to some chuckles. Ifair ignored him. During the test, be silent. Here are the rules. She flourished her hands. The sacrum appeared in one, and a clear beaker filled with water in the other. This simple monolith holds two configurations one allows a mage to raise the temperature of water, the other allows them to cool it. I have created pairings of students These pairings will take turns coming up and competing against one another One will attempt to freeze the water in this beaker while the other attempts to boil it The one to succeed wins This will happen in rounds We have until sundown The caravan will be staying put for the whole day to allow other travelers to join before our departure the preliminary round will happen this morning, semi finals during the afternoon, and finals this evening. Ifair now turned to Tali and smiled. Tali, as you were the winner of our original little competition, you may go first. You will not be competing, but only trying the monolith. Tali stood up her heart pumped, and her ears made a deafening, whooshing sound that blocked out the polite smattering of applause as she walked up. She looked dumbly at Yfer, then to the sacrum. "'What do I do?' she asked. "'Touch your finger to it for just a moment. You will feel something. A tug. A call. Respond to it. There's no other instructions I can give you.' Tilly reached out her hand. It shook slightly. She carefully touched it to the stone. The first thought she had was that the stone felt smooth. Then she felt a jolt. Not physical, but like her mind had been hit with a small electric shock. She felt awed. This was a feeling she had never experienced before. It was like a tingling, but it wasn't. Like a sound that turned into color behind her eyes. There were voices that were silent, and two of them called out to her. She could feel something leaving her, like she was getting tired. Ifair had warned that this would happen. Talid chose the voice that she thought sounded the most like ice, and she focused. And focused. And focused. And focused. Thin white tendrils sprouted from the bottom of the beaker and slowly worked their way up. They expanded. And finally... Tali stopped calling the far-off, icy sound, and let her body relax. All the students and onlookers applauded politely, except for Whisper, who jumped up and gave a standing ovation. She'd done it. She'd cast her first spell. "'Good,' Yfair said. "'You don't need to keep your hand touched to the sacrum. Exercise your mind. Be disciplined not to feel like you need to touch the sacrum. But I like to use my hands.' "'I'm sure you do,' Raywood said. "'Look at the calluses on those things. "'I thought they were hooves.' "'The other kids laughed. "'One of them had the good instincts to grab and hold Whisper back. Efair cleared her throat and regained control. Tilly felt another feeling she'd never felt. "'Exhilaration. "'Never at any point in her life had she felt like this. "'Despite all the time spent trying to get her to focus on something at Greenhill,' Tali had never felt as drawn to something as this. Yfer gave a small smile and gestured towards Tali's seat. Tali walked over and sat down. There was a small part of her that wished that Yfer had said something like, ''Well done, T'Li.'' There was a big part of her that wished that Yfer had hugged her with delight, that Yfer had admitted how wrong she was. It was now other students' turns to try— Ray Vood was greeted with weaker applause. And then he was done. That was... quick. Different students were called up and each got their turn to use the secrum. Some boiled the water, others froze it. Tilline noticed that every student going up was completing the task particularly quickly. Quicker than she felt she had. Her stomach began to roil. Could this be their schooling paying off? No, even Whisper went quickly. And he'd never had such opportunities. What was the deal? She forced these ideas down. It didn't matter. She tried her best, and she'd got to go first. That is what mattered. Then the competition began. Tilly was up against Dena first. They sat across from one another and chose their configurations. Tilly touched the sacrum and bonded. She felt those calls and answered. She focused with all of her might, all of her energy. She squeezed her eyes shut and willed the water to boil. She knew she'd lost by the excited shriek Dana let out. Tilly opened her eyes and looked in dismay at the frozen water. There was polite applause again. Tilly got up, looked from the beaker to the crowd. She saw Ricky Slar, who was frowning deeply, and then to Whisper. Whisper gave a reassuring smile and gave the working sign for good try. It didn't feel like a good try, though. It felt like shit. Can I try again? Tali asked, turning to Yfer. The crowd chuckled, and Yfer raised an eyebrow, which gave Tali her answer. She returned to her seat beside Whisper. The morning was miserable. Whisper managed to win half of his matches, Raywood won nearly all of his. Tali didn't win any. Her heart sank deeper and deeper. She'd never felt like this before, either. She had never felt so hopeless. In between matches, Whisper would sit beside her and try and give her instructions, pointers on how to improve. She eventually had to tell him to shut up. Tilly watched Yphair. Every time the mage looked in her direction, she saw something familiar. Disappointment. Yfer was clearly upset. But how could she be? How is reading those books going to help with this? How is any of what Efer had her doing supposed to help? It's okay, Whisper said with a smile. I'm sure that you'll do fine, even if you do... His smile faded. Uh, come in last. T'li glared at him, waiting for him to mention their rivalry. It seemed to pain him, but he said nothing. As the crowd dispersed for lunch, Tilly chased after Efer... The mage did not turn around, did not even seem to acknowledge Tali. Tali called out her name and was ignored. She finally caught up and did the only thing she could think of. She tugged at Ifer's robe. Ifer glanced coldly at Tali and turned to walk away. Wait, I just need some help, Tali said. I gave you help. Fair turned around. Every night I've been giving you help, trying to teach you the importance of a hard work, of focus. But you seem intent on having your head in the clouds, ignoring everything and everyone around you. T'Li took a step back, shocked by the sudden outburst. She gritted her teeth. It might have helped to tell me what was coming. I could have prepared. And how could you have prepared? How was what I was already doing supposed to help me? How did trying to read basic books help me? Yfair shook her head. You couldn't understand. Couldn't I? Taliyah felt something boiling inside of her. This was supposed to be her chance to break away, to do something on her own, lead a new life. But yet she felt like she was still trapped in the exact same prison as Green Hill, just with new bars. Or are you treating me like you think I'm stupid? Well, I guess I failed. That's it. I won't be a mage. I'm out in the first round. Ifeer sighed and shook her head. "'You didn't fail, Tali. You have a bye because you won the last contest.' Tali paused and chewed on that word for a moment. "'I have no idea what you mean,' she said. "'A bye. It means you didn't even need to participate in the first round. i let you participate as practice, but you proceed to the next round regardless. This was an opportunity, Tali.' An opportunity you yet again threw away. You've thrown away every advantage given to you. You were given the advantage to study, T'Li. To learn, to read, to learn things that other children in your position could only dream of. And you threw it all away. T'Li's fists were in balls now, and she felt like every vein on her face was going to pop. Don't call Green Hill an opportunity. Alright, I won't. But... It was. It wasn't. Why not? You were given every... Because I remember! I remember. You ignorant ass. Do the math for once in your life. For once in your life, you focus. You pay attention. I'm 16. That means I was three when the World War was at its height. I was three when my parents, who raised me... Sang to me and fed me Took me to an orphanage And abandoned me there So that they could have a better afterlife That was the weight I wore every day I was in those halls Does that sound like an opportunity? I wasn't some baby That was spared a terrible life I was a child That was spent like coins Ifair's face went white She opened her mouth to say something But Talie continued And that's how you're treating me now I don't know if you think I'm truly stupid, or if you thought I'd never meet the one other student you bought. But I do know why you need me to read so badly. I figured it out." Ifara's face was now truly white, and her mouth gaped. Tali, I I didn't know. The wind of Lakewall blew, and a familiar smell filled Tali's nose. She turned and looked in the direction of the small town she'd seen. Shadow of Refuge, a little town, a town in which she knew no one. She started to walk. Yfer called, but Tali didn't listen. She walked for a while through the bustling caravan, away from the cathedral gate, and toward Shadow of Refuge. She walked until there was a voice she recognized Hey, where are you going? Uh, we're, we're going to start soon. Tali did not turn to whisper who she could hear huffing as he ran up behind her. It doesn't matter. It never matters. Wherever I'm going, it'll just be a new place for people to be angry at me. Stop! I can't stop. I'm walking all the way to that village, and I want to get there by midday. Please, stop! Tilly! Tilly wasn't sure what it was in the tone of his voice, but she did stop. He stood behind her, panting and saying nothing. She stayed facing away and squeezed her eyes shut. "'There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. I'm leaving. I never wanted to be a mage anyway.' Tilly turned and glared at the boy, but stopped. He looked serious. Upset, but serious. "'Are you going to tell me you're disappointed in me?' "'Disappointed I'm leaving?' she asked. He seemed shocked. "'Abyss, no! How, how could I? You are by far the most impressive person I've ever met, and I once shared a bunk with a kid who could dislocate every joint in his body.' I still have no idea how he did that. So you won't try to stop me? (sighs) I assume you have no money. That won't stop me. Whisper sighed and reached into his cloak. He rummaged around and withdrew three items. The first two were coin purses, and the third was a small, smoothly polished wooden box. He held all three out, and his face turned deeply red. So, uh, one of these is actually yours to begin with. That mage Slar said to give it to you as a gift. And I was going to, I promise. Tilly didn't believe the boy, but also didn't blame him. Old habits die hard. She took one of the coin purses. And the rest, Whisper said, holding the other two items farther out. You'll need all the coins you can get. She took the other. And what's the box? For the box I need a favor. Don't open it until you get into Shadow of Refuge. Inside the box you'll find multiple interesting items. Most you'll know what to do with and one you absolutely will not. Show that one to shopkeepers for a while and eventually you'll be told what to do with it. When that time comes, tell them you want shelter and a job. Shelter and a job. I know you don't trust me yet. but. "'You're going to have to trust me on that one, okay?' "'She pocketed the coins in the box. "'Okay, but why do I have to wait "'until I'm in the town to open the box?' "'Oh, because I do not, under any circumstance, "'want anyone to see the contents of that box.' "'Well, I will when I'm in town,' Whisper paused, "'and his face broke into a distinctive grin. "'I never said I wasn't going to try and stop you. "'I don't think you're going to make it to Shadow of Refuge.' Not for lack of ability, but because you'll get about halfway there, maybe three quarters, and you'll imagine me, a stupid thief with oats on his face, winning that contest, your rival from afar. You'll turn around, storm back, and win the competition from behind. So no, don't open that until you reach the town. He paused, and the smile left his face. And, return or don't return, I have your word. We're still... Rivals? still rivals next time i see you we'll have to make sure to tally points i will automatically get two two points i never said i didn't have any coins i just said it wouldn't stop me and with that she turned and began to walk towards the shadow of refuge as she walked those words still echoed in her mind orphan of the deep she didn't even realize when the words slowly slipped from her mind and lay forgotten for the rest of the day Instead, all she could think of was the sound of the configuration. It rang in her ears like it had just happened. As she walked, she became totally focused on the sound and the memory of using magic. She smiled. Thank you for listening. Everything you hear in this show is created by me, Adam Ganong. Every word written, every note played. If the work I am doing here has brought you some joy, some comfort, some entertainment, please consider supporting a solo creator on Patreon. Link to that is in the show notes down below. The Stone Singer Chronicles Art is by Peter Bartel. Thank you, Peter. There is a link to his website in the show notes. A special thanks to my wife, Jenna Noor, and my friend, Destructobot. Join the Stonesinger Chronicles Discord to get extra information about the show and officially earn your rank as the Mage of the Third Bond. Again, link to that in the show notes down below. All right, and until next time. The Chaos Trace one day before the departure of the fateful Lake Wall caravan. The orphan is dealt with. We've ensured she will not leave Lake Wall. Very good. And the other preparations all in place. Coin has been paid, promises made, blood spelt. Everything is exactly as it was written. The other child and the mage they will be dealt with. Yes. With the girl gone, they will be handled swiftly. We will not need the sisters, it would seem. I am glad. I have read through those threads many times. I like nothing I see. We will be free soon. You will be free soon. Stars guide you. And stars guide you.